0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 17 of the Main Stand Podcast. It's me, your only host today, Josh Ricker. Uh, I'll try to make today a little bit quicker just so you don't have to listen to me rambling on about Liverpool for too, too long. We're without Mitch today. He's uh, doing a battle with the COVID right now. Wish him all the best. Hope he feels better soon. Patrick could not make this week's episode either, so it's just me this week. That's why we're going to keep things nice and brief. We just want to be consistent, always putting episodes out. So that's why we're going through with the podcast this week. Um, We should have everyone on by next week. I would imagine you'll probably hear from uh, them on social throughout the week too, you know, as we share the episode per usual. First thing I want to kind of go over is just some housekeeping because Ricker's playing with house money lately. He had nothing to lose after that 3-for-11 week, and he has been on fuego since. Last week, we went 5-for-7. Only two bets we lost on was that Liverpool-Wolves game. I went rode that Liverpool minus a 1.5 a little bit too long. Liverpool struggled uh, in that Wolves game, could not score until the 94th minute, I believe. And Lord Divock Origi scored. It's around the holidays, just the time D Origi, you know, thrives. What a time to be alive for him, scoring against Wolves, the winner. Uh, What a goal, too. And then scoring what ended up being the winner at the San Siro against Milan in the midweek. Um, We did lose that one, though. I I thought Liverpool would kind of pick Wolves apart a little bit more than they did. Liverpool were expected to win that one on XG by believe two goals I think it was 2.5 to 0.4 something similar to that uh, that just one didn't just just didn't go our way that Nori I believe that's how you pronounce it on uh, left back for Wolves um, he played really well against Mosala. I'll talk about him later as uh, Wolves prepare to play Man City I thought he played really well and right when Kiana Hoover former Liverpool lad came on uh, that's when kind of Mo Salah exposed him on that play, took that beautiful heavy touch, and that's when he got the ball into Origi. Origi obviously inevitably scored that one. Liverpool take the three points home, which are huge three points, considering that Chelsea lost away to West Ham. Uh, City do go top of the Premier League with, with their win at the weekend, but Liverpool are kind of hanging right in there. Um, so we love to see that. Only other bet we lost on last week was the Fulham-Bournemouth money line. The, the championship so hard to bet on, man. So many games end in draw. So many surprise results. I really thought Fulham were going to take that one home. Just didn't work out that way. Um, so, tough loss, but it is what it is. Just in the past two weeks alone, I, I want to reiterate, 10 for 13 overall. And if you kind of ignore that 3-for-11 anomaly week, we have been 24-for-32 over the past few weeks. Um, that's 75%. Um, if you include all the games, including that 3-for-11 week, we're still 27-for-43 overall. So 63% of the time, our bets are right, um, or at least push. So all really good stuff. So that's just the housekeeping. Take care of that. Now it's time to get into the real bones of the podcast, the UCL review. Uh, I'll try to make this as short as I can. Final 16 this week. Uh, that was finalized after the sixth match day in the Champions League. We have Ajax, Atletico Madrid, who who snuck in on the last day. That was Liverpool's group. Anyone really could have got in aside from Liverpool. Atletico won their game, 3-1 against Porto. A, a very weird game, especially for Simeone actually having to go out and win that one. Odd, and I, I hate the fact that. Atleti is through to the round of 16, just the thought of having to play them eventually. Ugh. Anyway, Bayern, Benfica, Chelsea, Inter Milan, Juve, Liverpool, Lille, Man City, Man United, PSG, Real Madrid, Salzburg, Sporting, and Villarreal. Those are the teams that made it through. Um, Definitely some surprise results. The biggest storylines are that Sevilla is dropping down to the Europa League. I thought this one was funny. I believe I predicted this when European play started um, this year as well I thought Sevilla was going to go down they just live for the Europa League man, they love that competition wouldn't surprise me at all if they went on and and competed for another trophy at the end of this year Uh, and what a sight that would be too the Europa League is lining up to be quite the competition because not only did Sevilla drop down but Barcelona dropped down I've been saying this the whole time Barcelona are frauds, man. And hiring Xavi doesn't do anything about it. That club is broken to its literal core. It's very similar to Manchester United. They're an international brand that's just been running to the ground for the past 20 years, making transfers way out of pocket, irresponsible decisions, time in, time out. It's going to take years for Barcelona to recover from this. And losing Lionel Messi... Who was the the stakes holding that club up on its final threads? Now he's gone, and, and they have no one to go to, no one to blame, but themselves, and, and no one to save them. And, and frankly, Messi has been the one that has saved them in recent years. And hiring Xavi isn't enough; they they need a complete overhaul of, of the players, coaching staff, and most importantly, all the backroom business people who have run that club, you know, into a shambles. In recent years. The, the financial structure of that club just is not sound whatsoever. You look at the transfers they made, the money they've spent on players that never really panned out, the, the Coutinho transfers, stuff like that, Dembele's. Uh, they, they just never worked, and then they, they can't sell them to anyone now. If they do sell them, they have to sell them on a, on a massive discount. I mean, we're seeing Coutinho shop right now to the Premier League for 20 30 million. He's probably going to go to Arsenal or Spurs. It's insane. It's so irresponsible. And then that's why I don't feel bad for them. And it doesn't surprise me that they drop down to the Europa League here, especially with Benfica and their group. A tough, frugal side. Don't give much up on defense. It's really not surprising. But we have some other big names dropping down too. Dortmund, Porto, and Leipzig all dropping down. Leipzig obviously fired manager Jesse Marsh, uh, the American. Just this week, I don't think we've talked about that yet on the podcast. Bad kind of day for American soccer. We just get a manager into uh, what we think of as a big club, and it is. Um, And to have him go already after 14 games, I I think it's a little bit harsh. Uh, For where Leipzig want to be in the Bundesliga, I I do understand it. Uh, So they drop down in the Europa League. Obviously, it's big news that uh, Holland and Dortmund drop down as well. Just because of Holland's success in the Champions League, they obviously want him in that competition, not the you know the B side competition of that's the Europa League, frankly. Um, that one's kind of disappointing and Porto as well. I mean, Porto's a fine side. Eh, they don't play very well at home at the Drago. They haven't had the best season in the Primera, but uh, I think they'll be a tough side for any team in the Europa League. And you have some teams already in the Europa League that will put up a fight too, like West Ham. So, Europa League, uh, second half into February looks like a really strong competition. I just want to talk about Liverpool for a second, their game against AC Milan, just because of how magnificent it was winning at the San Siro Uh, with that side too. We beat the league leaders in Serie A with our Serie B team. (laughs) That's the most frank way to put it. Allison Becker stayed in goal we, we started with Constantino Simikas on the left Kanate and Nat Phillips in the middle which oh my god I just love them they're like the twin towers in defense the, uh, the two guys in Lord of the Rings on that movie cover I don't even remember what it's called because Lord of the Rings is a shambles of a movie series too just basically is a movie split into three parts the first two mov- movies don't even have a real ending regardless I digress Kanate and phillips just absolutely immense Kanate winning man of the match from liverpool and, and nat phillips with just a sexy Cruyff turn burn <laughs> put frank Cassie on his absolute arse uh, i love to see that from nat phillips i love to just see him get a game because he is actually a proper defender you know he deserves to go somewhere and play regular minutes too um I'm glad he signed an extension at Liverpool. I just don't see him, you know, really cracking into the first team, especially with Gomez coming back, and you have Kanate now. It's going to be hard to see him get minutes, but oh, wow. See, he, he's a good defender, and to do it against AC Milan and Zlatan Ibrahimovic was just boss, uh, and I can't say how well Kanate played too. Nico Williams on the right was fine. And the, the midfield was very changed around. You had Oxlade-Chamberlain. Trying to think who else started with him in the midfield. I'm blanking on that one hard. All offense, you had Salah and Mane still start with with a Rigi up top. Um, so a very, very changed side. The other two midfielders were changed too. I don't know why I'm blanking on that so hard of who would have started in the midfield. I know Ox did. Hmm. I can't quite think of it right now. We'll move on, though. Youngsters just, oh, Tyler Morton started in the sixth for Liverpool, and wow, did he pull strings. I don't know how I forgot about that because he was one of the more memorable players on the pitch for Liverpool on the day. Just absolutely had the San Siro on strings, and to do that as a 19-year-old wearing a Liverpool jersey is just immense. A couple weeks after you're making your debut, too. We had a couple other debuts, um, some young kids as well. So we just love seeing that. The Reds are just on fine form, six wins since that slapping at West Ham at the London Stadium. And they just look better than they ever have. Honestly, it feels like uh, the title winning season where we just aren't going to get beat. We don't look like getting beat. And the games where we are a bit shit, we win it in the end because we're so resilient. And that's kind of going back to Klopp's mentality monsters. That whole aura of you know winning games late on holding on to close leads, not giving up, holding clean sheets, everything like that. Just this time around, I feel like our offense is a bit better. It's like our offense of 2017-18 mixed with the defense of uh, the Premier League title winning season. It's just insane. I I was looking at some of the offense stats earlier, and I'll read those later on when we preview the Aston Villa game. But (laughs) I mean, to score 18 games in a row, score multiple goals, first English side to ever do that just immense. Um, Mo Salah obviously scored another goal against AC Milan that brings him up to 20 on the season. I believe he's at 9 assists, 29 goal comps in in December, the start of December, I might add. He's going to lose a little bit on that tally just by going to AFCON and whatnot, but wow, has he been such a good player. He makes great finishes look so easy. I mean, he just roofed that ball. In Milan, I know it's a deflection, hard for the keeper to save. He hits that too high; it's hitting the crossbar too low. The goalie probably saves it, and the margin of width he had to put that in was insane too. And he he just roofs it, makes it seem like a tap in. It, it's not a tap in. That's just how bloody good Mo Salah is, uh, and I can't stress that enough. So that that game against Milan was just immense. Liverpool leave the group with 18 points. One of I believe eight sides to ever do that in the champions league since it's rebrand and the first english team to ever win 18 points which is what an achievement that is to be the first one to do that uh, i i would pay so much money to just just to brag about that and now i don't have to because we already did it um so that basically wraps up the milan one you have to be disappointed if you're a milan fan or an italian soccer fan in general To have that team with those experienced players uh, go out and lose to a Liverpool side like that. Just has to sting a little bit more. Um, Also want to chime in, Pat's team, Man City, lost to RB Leipzig. Um, Pressure wasn't on for them, but it's always funny to watch Man City lose in Europe because it inevitably will happen at the end of the season. (laughs) And they will fall out to somebody. Hopefully us. Anyway. Anyway. We can go on to Rick's picks. Like I said, it's going to be a brief episode today. We're looking 20-25 minutes and we're on pace here. So, I got five picks, I believe, today. Three in the Premier League, one Bundesliga, one La Liga pick. We're sticking with a low amount of picks lately just because I want to make sure. We're doing enough research and giving you guys good picks. I uh, want to give you know, myself enough time to handicap these to make sure they're actually... Um, Really good, and we're, we're thinking through them a little bit more. So first game we want to go through, we're going to start off with the three Premier League ones. We're going to do Man City and Wolves. I'm excited for this one, honestly. I might wake up early and watch it. I believe it's a 7.30 kick. Man City come in this game on just terrific Premier League form. They've been so good. They're starting to look like title favorites a little bit. It'll be whether Liverpool can keep up with them or not at this point. I think Chelsea is kind of noticeably taking a step back. They're just not finishing their chances. Lukaku finally scored his first goal um, in the Champions League since September. That's his first goal since September for the Blues. Uh, so maybe he'll start firing again. If not, Chelsea need to score goals from somewhere. They They play that... Brand of football that's so conservative, so compact, and and it works sometimes when the goals are coming in. But when the goals aren't coming, uh, counter-attacking sides, big teams are gonna have their field day with Chelsea. And and you've already saw them kind of take a step back in that game against West Ham. Man City, on the other hand, they're they're flying on form despite that loss against RB Leipzig. Not too much really in that. It is a Champions League game where City have already clinched. They did put out a good side. But it's a weird one, but I wouldn't put too much thought into that. Now, against Wolves, it's a weird game because Wolves are kind of in a mixed bag lately. They started off the season quite well, actually, to be in the position they are after losing Nuno to Spurs. I think they're going in the right direction. However... Recently, It's been eh, murky. Two draws, I believe, for them, and then the loss to Liverpool, which was frankly unlucky. Uh, they didn't do much offensively in that game, but they did do really well defensively, and I think you could see similar things happen uh, against Man City this weekend on Saturday. Biggest takeaway, again, was this Ot kid on the left absolutely shut down Mo Salah first 90 minutes of that game. It was when Kiana Hoover came on where Salah really torched him there. Uh, for the most part, Atnori had Salah in his pocket, and that's coming from a Liverpool fan. He he was class and definitely a standout performance. Uh, so he's going to be on the left, which is actually the side of Sterling and Gundogan. Uh, so I don't think that's going to have much of an impact. I, I think he'll play well. There, there's an injury doubt for Connor Cody for Wolves, so that could impact their defense a little bit. Where I think we really have to focus is actually on the right-hand side of the Wolves' defense, and that's Nelson Samedo's side. Samedo hasn't been great, uh, really, getting forward this year. Defensively, he's been fine. Uh, against when you're playing for Wolves, it's going to be always hard, considering how many chances you're going to face. You know, in a game, they play that five at a back, so he has a little bit of more support in the center. But he he's been fairly average this year, and I think that's fair to say. What scares me about Samedo's side is that Bernardo Silva is gonna be over there on the left. Phil Foden is a scratch for this one. So you might see Grealish start out on the left. Uh Grealish and Silva behind him is a, a dangerous combination for me, and one that would scare any defense. Just reading off a couple stats for Bernardo Silva. You know, the Portuguese midfielder has 3.37. Shot creating actions per game and gets 5.08 touches in the opposition penalty box per 90 minutes. I think he is just going to wreck havoc on this Wolves defense. And because Atnori's playing really well, I think they might kind of try to drift away from that side a little bit where Foden's going to miss this game. I think Silva could really step up on the left hand side for Man City. I think Man City are going to win this one. There's not really any value in betting that, though. So I actually have Bernardo Silva to score plus 115. These odds are actually quite low for just a, a scoring a prop bet. Uh, Bernardo Silva, Silva has just been on smoke. You could argue he's the best Portuguese player in the Premier League right now. Diago Jota is obviously putting up a good case for himself. Not with that miss against Wolves last weekend, but uh, aside from that, and you have the Ronaldo's and the Bruno is obviously a lot of good Portuguese players right now. Ruben Dias is another one. But... Uh, Bernardo Silva probably has that one in the books for best Portuguese player, maybe even the best midfielder in the Premier League, honestly. I saw a couple arguments. I We've already given the bet for this pick, so I'm just going to go on a little bit of a tangent here that Bernardo Silva is having as good of a season as Mo Salah. I want to squish that thought right now because that is insane. I, I already read Salah's stats, and I'll probably have more later. 29 goal comps, I mean, come on. Bruno Silva's having a good year, don't get me wrong. He's having one of those years where it's like a, the midfielder wins the player of the year, and those seasons are fine, but they don't win those in years where attackers score as many goals as most is on track to. He has as many goals uh, as he's ever scored You know, at this period of the year. So in December, he has never scored more goals than he has right now for Liverpool in five seasons. So I think he's just on pace to have a smoker of a year, especially when those Champions League games restart. He comes back from AFCON, hopefully healthy. Uh, I don't think Salah and Silva are on even the same planet right now. Silva's amazing, an amazing player, but Salah is by himself on his own tier in the Premier League right now. He is going to go down as a Premier League legend, probably one of, if not the best Premier League player of all time, depending on how long he stays at Liverpool which they need to get the contract sorted on that as well. Uh, But they're just two different players on different levels right now, to be fair and to be completely honest. Uh, We can talk about that with Pat next week if he wants to chat about it. But, you know, Silva's right here, that upper echelon of Premier League talent. Mo is by himself up here. There's no one else up here. Ronaldo's not up here. Kevin De Bruyne is not up here. Virgil van Dyke isn't even up here. They're all in that upper echelon. Mo Salah is different class. Different. Different. That's all I have to say on that. So Bernardo Silva to score in this one, plus 115. I still think it's really good value. Go for that one in that. Liverpool, Aston Villa. I don't even know how to start with this one. Gerrard's obvious return to Anfield. This one's going to be so heartfelt. I know Gerrard said there's not going to be any emotion, no sentiment. It's all about getting the win for Aston Villa. I think that'll be a little bit different when those flags are waving on the cop and you know people are singing his name. Who knows? It might even be a tifo of him. Yeah. I think the emotions are going to be different when he steps out, you know, in front of that crowd. When he when he's sitting in the dressing room realizing he's at Anfield this time on on the opposition sideline. I think that's going to be emotional for him. I think it's going to be emotional for Jurgen Klopp and you know the Anfield faithful as well. Klopp had Gerrard under him for a couple years doing the youth, you know, thing. And the fans are obviously going to give him a very welcome return to, I'm excited to watch it on TV. A little weird that they're having the game on USA, but it is what it is. I'm very excited to watch that. And he's done a good job at Villa too. They won three out of four against some good teams. They played really well against Lester last weekend against Brendan Rodgers, you know, and company. Leicester without were without a few people, Yuri Tielemans was out, but they still they bossed Leicester. and they could have won that one 3 1 if it wasn't for that fuzzy VAR check. Cash Schmeichel Michael got to roll around on the ground for a couple minutes and they, they overturned it for some odd reason. I think it was Michael Oliver, which is unsurprising because he usually likes to make the game quite about himself. <laughs> so again, Jared's done fascinating uh, a fascinating job with Aston Villa so far. I think that'll that'll keep going. But Liverpool, so hard to bet against them right now. It's so hard. And won six in a row. They've just been absolutely immense. Uh, I did some some stat research. They have an expected goal tally of 2.22 per match in the past six games. So they were expected to get 2.2 um, goals per match. That equates to about 13 goals. In those six games, they scored 17 goals. So they're outperforming their expected goal tally in the past six games by almost four goals. Their offense is just on smoke right now. The only thing I'm a little bit worried about is that Ashley Young is over on that left-hand side in the Aston Villa defense. He he has played quite well against Mo Salah um, when he was at Man United. So maybe don't expect Salah to have as good of a game You know, maybe Salah will have that chip on his shoulder that he hasn't done good on him in the past, and he just, like, bags a hat trick or something crazy, but I don't think that'll happen. I think it'll be probably a more quiet game from Salah. Um, Maybe see a goal from Mane. Uh, I'm not sure Jota was actually pictured in training today, so maybe a goal from the midfield, too. From the Ox. maybe something like that. Overall, I do think they, they, both these teams just have a ton of goals in them. And I think this will be a fun affair. This isn't going to be a, a game where they sit on their heels and pass it around for the first 15 minutes. I think it's going to be a game where they, they get off to it right from the start. Um, I have over 3.5 goals in this one, plus 100. So even odds, You put as much money on this as you want responsibly because I, I think it's going to hit pretty pretty easily. Then the last Premier League one. Uh, Here we have Arsenal and Southampton. Again, a weird one. Just because Arsenal... See, it feels like every time Arsenal respond well, they crumble back down into their normal mediocrity. So they obviously lose that game against Liverpool. Respond well against Newcastle. And it looked like they were going to respond well against Manchester United too. And then they just fall apart. Manchester United wins that one 3-2. And then it gets really epically bad against Everton. The situation Rafa Benitez in is not a good one. And for them to lose 2-1 at Goodison Park. And not to mention Richarlison had two goals taken away by VAR. Scored a VAR hat trick. Um, (laughs) To lose against Everton in that fashion is just dismal. Dismal. It shows a lack of tactics from Mikel Arteta. I just don't know how he's setting that team up. Lack of motivation from the players. I mean... Odegaard has shown little uh, flashes of brilliance. He scored a goal a couple games ago, and then that was in the Man United one, and then gave up a penalty right after. So he's shown flashes. I mean, he had to drop a brings a Bombyang in, doesn't really do anything. Brings in Ketia in, too. I just don't know what Arteta's doing with this team. They have no real vision. The players he brings on seem like they don't really want to be there. And the players that have been there for him over recent years, like Aubameyang, like Lacazette, aren't really hitting the mark either. With that being said, Arsenal, I feel like, do respond under Arteta. I, I know they started the season on on three consecutive losses, and they had that stretch where they won a bunch of games, and I had kind of said how none of those are against hard competition. They they have no chance against Liverpool. Well, the rest of the league isn't Liverpool, and Southampton surely isn't Liverpool. Liverpool kind of decimated Southampton when they played them a couple weeks ago. Southampton's 6 points safe, you know, other relegation zone. Hasenudel really hasn't got much out of that team this year. Uh, the big takeaway for me is that we know kind of Arsenal are bad on the road. I think that had a lot to do with their loss at Goodison. They, they just suck o- away from the Emirates. At the Emirates this season in the Premier League, they're 5-1-1. One one. So they're actually pretty good, and I think everton was a big enough of a wake-up call like hey this team hasn't won anything in eight matches i think that was a big enough game being like okay wake up time to wake up time to actually play today that i think they'll come out against southampton and probably score a couple goals i mean saka's kind of on a duck Aubameyang's on a duck it's time for these players to come in and actually do something and i think this is a good game for them too I have Arsenal plus one in this, so plus 120. So we have the option to kind of push here if they don't win by more than one. I do think they win this game. Um, And, you know, if they win by more than one, plus 120 odds are are really good. So that's the bet I have in this one, even though Arsenal have been so bad. I just, I have a feeling it's going to be one of those reverse games where, you know, they do respond. And we're going to switch it over to Germany really quickly as we kind of wind down the pod here uh Freiburg Hoffenheim this one's an interesting one one we normally talk wouldn't talk about with the rest of the boys just cuz not cuz you know we can't talk about it it's just cuz we we generally like to cover the biggest matches this one's 4 versus 5 in the Bundesliga it's kind of a fascinating matchup uh in six head to head matches Freiburg's 3 1 and 2 against Hoffenheim so it's pretty even um just one draw kind of separating them Freiburg does have a slight slight advantage What's impressive about Freiburg this season is their defense, and this is the reason I, I see them winning uh, the match. They actually they put in six goals against Mock and Gladbach uh, last week, and they've scored at least two goals in their past four games. So I think they have just enough offense to really get by in this game. Uh, what's really impressed me is, is their defense. So they've only allowed 13 goals in 14 games this season. Their post-shot expected goals minus goals allowed, I'll explain what this metric is. Basically, the more positive the number, the better. It's basically your um, average ability to stop shots. Um, So it's basically the likelihood they'll save a shot. Mark Flecken, who is the goalie for Freiburg, has a post-shot expected goal minus goals allowed mark of plus .29. That's 99th percentile of goalkeepers in all of Europe's top five leagues. On top of that, he has a save percentage of 79.7%, which is in the 98th percentile. So he's a tremendous goalkeeper and one that just doesn't get talked about enough. He's been class for Freiburg this year, and Freiburg's had a good defense, to be fair, for the past couple of years. Um, And then another player I want to shout out in that defense is Nico Schlotterbeck, 22 years old. Just I'll read up a couple stats on him as well. He gets 2.3 tackles per game which is the 88th percentile for all center backs in Europe and 2.8 interceptions a game, which is again the 98th percentile in center backs all of Europe. Um, but he doesn't just defend well, he also gets forward and he gets 1.8 touches in the oppo box um, per 90 minutes again in the 99th percentile of all center backs in Europe. So he's kind of this dynamic, versatile defender That defends really well is a good tackler, good on-the-ball defender, but he can get forward, win balls in the air, um, and get in that opposition box and cause trouble too. Their defense just seems incredible. And it's a game I'm gonna tune in, try to tune into this weekend too, get a little Bundesliga action in. I have the Freiburg money line. Both uh money lines are plus odds, so really, really good pick, especially when these games high up the table. When you have plus odds everywhere on the money line, take it and run. This one's Freiburg plus 140. With a defense like that, if I can get plus 140 odds, I'm taking that every time. Um, And then finally in La Liga, we have the Madrid Derby. Atleti versus Real Madrid. We've been riding hard on the Real Madrid money line, and we're going to do it again. Plus odds on the Real Madrid money line. I don't think this one's failed for us all year. We're going to hit it plus 110. Real Madrid has won nine in a row. Beat a bunch of teams of good difficulty, too. They beat Bilbao, Real Sociedad last week. Obviously, they're challenging for the La Liga title this year, and they also beat Inter Milan in the Champions League, which is just icing on the cake for them, especially seeing Barcelona drop down to the Europa League. uh, The feelings those fans must be feeling right now just must be immense. Uh, They're scoring kind of goals from all over midfield. Asensio, Tony Cruz, everyone's getting in on the goals at Real Madrid right now. Vinicius has picked up form. He's just on fire. And then in defense, Alaba and at our have finally, Milliettao's finally kind of worked in this team and found a partner that works with him. And those two playing as center backs together has been really good for Real Madrid. I think everyone was a little bit concerned that seeing that Rafael Varane and Sergio Ramos had left in the summer at the same time. I think everyone was like, you know, how are you going to replace that? they've done a fine job, you know, in the middle for Real Madrid, if we're being honest So that's a pick, Real Madrid Moneyline, plus 110. Those are the five picks for this week. Also, tune in to the MLS Cup Final. That's Portland, New York City FC. I think that's going uh, going to be a really good match. Didn't have enough time to handicap that one tonight, um, so feel free to kind of go on and do your own research. Let us know um, on the Instagram who you think will win that match. We'll definitely um, throw up a post to, to kind of preview it there. Rick's picks will be on the Instagram as well. If you haven't already subscribed to the podcast, uh, do it right now. It takes like two seconds. Um, Subscribe to the podcast, like it, share it with your friends. Subscribe on YouTube as well. Really encourage listening on YouTube. Just the visual elements, just a way better method of listening to podcasts. If you're still listening to podcasts, you're in the stone age. Um, But, yeah, keep up with the show. Pat and Mitch should be on next week. Thank you guys for listening to this abbreviated version of the mainstand episode 17. We'll be back with 18 next week. Better than ever. Always improving. Still not a logistics company, but I digress. See you guys next week. Deuces.